Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We're continuing our series called Feels Like Home. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Uh, a lot of years ago, some friends and I, we'd be actually been planning for quite some time to make a trip to Alaska to go fishing, and the day finally came. We all sort of had our responsibility in setting up the trip, um, you know, some was about, you know, making sure the airline stuff was lined up, rental car, we were camping at a campground in, uh, on the Kenai Peninsula, Alaska, and we, so we all had that, all our job assignments were, were, uh, were, were given to us, and... Uh, and the day came, and we were going to go on the trip, and we uh, were up in Seattle, and we flew out, and we got to Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, just full of anticipation on the front end of this, this little getaway uh, for four guys who enjoy being together. Um, you know, Tony, he, he's in charge of the, of the rental car and getting that lined up, and all the details were in place, and we got our rods and our reels and our gear, and we threw it into the rental car. And began driving our way from Anchorage to a little town called Saldotna, which is not too little when the, when the fish are running. And, um, and you know, a couple things you need to know about Tony. He's cautious. He's careful. Um, he's a salt-of-the-earth kind of guy, um, just very level-headed, um, does, you know, doesn't do extreme things, and which was surprised, which in, in support of you know, because the way he, he left the airport and began driving us to our campsite, uh, the guy was like transformed into a NASCAR driver. <laughs> Uh, he, he just he drove. I had never seen him drive like this. I mean, he's like zipping in and out of lanes, and he's passing cars, and we're seeing our light flash before us. His trucks are coming the other way. He's stopping suddenly, and then he's accelerating quickly, trying to burn tires. And, and you know, at first, it's kind of funny, and afterwards, like, dude, you're going to kill us. And, you know, what is going on? And we, we pose the question to him, and he responds by saying, guys, relax. The car's a rental. It's a rental. I don't know if you've ever kind of said that out loud. Maybe you've thought that. Um, but, you know, what, what Tony was saying is, hey, we paid our money. This is our car for a week. He is not thinking about when it needs its next oil change. He's not putting money aside for a new tire someday. He doesn't even care if a rock gets kicked up on the freeway and puts a nick in the windshield because it's a rental. And uh, it's this, this mindset that, uh, that this is different than, than when you own it. And what, what, what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about sort of that mindset. I want to talk to you about an owner mindset versus the renter mindset. And perhaps maybe you've gone camping. Maybe you, uh, you know, rented a paddleboard and you took it out on the water. And, um, you know, you just, you just treated the paddleboard a little bit differently because you didn't spend the $100 to make the purchase. And so maybe you're a little less, a little less cautious than you would be if you owned it. Um, I don't know if you remember the story, 1998, Nagano Olympics, U.S. men's hockey team uh, is humiliated. They lose 4-1 to one against the Czech Republic. They leave the game, which they've, now they've, they've been kicked out of the Olympics because of the loss. They go back to their condo that they're renting in, in Nagano, and they just trash the place. They break lamps. They break chairs. Uh, some of the guys went and got uh, fire extinguishers and then emptied, emptied them. In, in their condo. And then after they were done emptying the fire extinguishers, they threw them out the windows down several flights, you know, uh, stories uh, d- down to the, to the ground. Now, I can put money on this. If they had been playing in their hometown 
And, um, and if they had lost and gone back to home in their own town, they would not have trashed their homes. But because it was a rental, because they were in a condo, they just thrashed the place. And there is a mindset when, it, when we talk about a church feeling like home that I want to talk to you about, this owner mindset versus the renter mindset. And let me just put your heart at ease here right from the very beginning because I'm talking metaphorically. So some of you have already drawn your pencil and you're writing me a note already saying, how dare you demean the renters? Uh, that's not where I'm going here, okay? That's not, that's, it's a metaphor. Relax. Take a deep breath. It's okay, all right? I just want to, I want to talk about the, the mindset of a renter versus an owner. And I'm just capture it with this phrase here I put up on the screen. It's, it's this. Our standards for what we own are higher than our standards for the belongings for others. Our standards for what we own tend to be higher than the standards for the belongings of others. You ever had something that you, you paid a lot of expense to, 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 you know, to get and, and then someone asked to borrow it and you loan it out and then it comes back and it's not in the same condition that, that it left your home? It's, it, or it wasn't cared for in, in a way that, that you would typically care for it. The reason that is is because, you know, we, we just take we, the stuff we own. We have our standards are higher for our stuff, our belongings, than they are for the belongings of others. And I want to, as I talk about now how that impacts us as a church, a little bit later in the talk, I'm going to be asking us a question. And here's the question. Am I an owner? Or am I a renter? I'm, I'm going to be asking that question at the end of the talk. But before you can even answer it, you need to understand the owner mindset versus the renter mindset. And I want to sort of just, just reveal that by looking at a passage of Scripture in the book of Acts. So if you do me a favor, go to Acts chapter 4 in your Bibles. Acts chapter 4. I, I, I know the front of your bulletin says Acts chapter 2. Um, the, the team that puts that together didn't make a mistake. That's actually where I thought I was going in earlier in the week, and I, and I, I just changed my mind. So they, they didn't make a mistake. Um, I, I just felt like this, this passage here in Acts 4 really captures the owner mindset. It's on page 1,725 in your pew Bibles, uh, if you want to use that Bible. It'll be on the column on the left, sort of right under the subtitle where it says, The Believers Share Their Possessions. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to a guy named Joseph. And if you, if you spent much time studying scripture, you actually don't remember him by his, his, his birth name, Joseph. You remember him by his nickname. You know, we, we give nicknames to each other. You know, sometimes it's because a, one name sounds a little bit like this other word. And, or we give a nickname because of something that someone does or it describes who they are. Uh, there was a tennis player uh, years ago that had the nickname called Super Brat. Anyone know who that tennis player was? Yeah, John McEnroe. Uh, he was, that, that, that nickname just described him. Um, some of you, you're just too young to appreciate what a brat he was. Uh, uh, there, there was a, a baseball player who was called the Sultan of Swat. Do you know who that was? Babe Ruth. Yeah, Babe Ruth. This section right here should get extra fruit snacks next August. Uh, um, the, he hit a lot of home runs, so he gets a nickname. Joseph, the guy in this passage, is going to be given a nickname, and the nickname he's going to be given is Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. And the apostles gave him the nickname, and, and it, what they're saying is as if encouragement were personified, 
If encouragement were a person and they had a family, they, what they were saying was that, was that Barnabas, you would be a son of encouragement, like father, like son. And what I want to do is I'm going to read this text, and again, it's going to describe the early church, and then it's going to, this, this passage is going to give us an example of what life looked like in that early church. So I just want to begin reading in verse 32. Uh, of Acts chapter 4, and, and just help you feel the, the, the way Barnabas, the son of encouragement, uh, owned his church. Acts 4, verse 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Let's stop right there. Barnabas, I want to suggest to us that he he's an owner. And by the way, Barnabas likely came to Christ at Pentecost. And if you remember the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, uh, the, the disciples are in the upper room. There's a group of about 120, and the Spirit of God is poured out, and Peter preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people uh, become followers of Jesus Christ. They're convinced that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And, uh, and so Barnabas, he, he likely came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Jewish festivals, found Christ here. And by the way, the, the 3,000 that did find Christ at Pentecost, they're, they're from 15 different nations, 15 different cultures, which is really important to know because when you begin reading Acts 4 and you read that all the believers were united in heart and mind, that is astonishing. These are people who just think differently. They speak different languages. They have different perspectives on the world, perhaps even different worldviews. Yet, because of their encounter with Jesus Christ, they're united in heart, united in affections, and united in mind in, in how they think. And this was such an amazing uh, church. Now, the, the church wasn't perfect. So before, long, before we get going here and, and think, man, if we could only be like the early church, you need to read you know, chapter five because um, Ananias and Sapphira come and they have a pretty bad week. So I'm not saying that the early church is the perfect church. What I'm saying is that there was a unique love they had for each other. So a, a unique love. So um, what we see here is, is they're sharing everything. And uh, remember last week we talked about the, the, the theological nature of the church. And we read in Acts 4 that the, the apostles are preaching about the resurrection. They're testifying to the, rec, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, it, it is, it's powerfully being received. The, the, you know, it's missional. Uh, people are being added to the church. And last week we talked about the importance of relationships. And here we get another snapshot of that because what's going on is Barnabas, uh, with just this one little snapshot, Bar Barnabas isn't the only one doing what is being described here in this early church. But uh, Barnabas is an owner. He sees a problem, and he takes action. And in his action, we have the owner mindset revealed. Here's the first thing you'd want to know about an owner mindset. Owners are invested. Owners take risks. Owners understand that there could be potential loss. They have skin in the game. 
And so what what Barnabas does is he sees a need and he makes an investment. He's a literal owner. He owns some land in Cyprus, a field in Cyprus. And so he has it sold and he takes the proceeds and gives it uh, to the apostles. Owners are invested. The second thing you need to know about owners is that the owners take responsibility. Owners see problems and they see themselves as a solution to that problem. Um, as well as if they, if, they aren't, if they don't have the talents or the gifts to be a solution to the problem, they, they make connections and, they, and, they, and they, they take steps so that the problem will be solved. Um, and uh, you know, I, years ago, I was in a car with a guy. At that time, he'd been coming to Salem Alliance for about 12 years. And I had been here for three years. And we were driving, and he asked me a question. I, I, I don't remember the question, but I do remember the beginning of the question. The beginning of his question went like this. Why does your church dot, dot, dot? And I just, he lost me at your church. He'd been here longer than me by nine years. And, um, and it was like, this, somehow this was my church and not our church. And the thing is, is if you listen to how people talk, you can, you can hear the language of an owner. You can hear the language of a renter. In fact, Jesus would say that out of the mouth speaks the fullness of the heart, meaning that we can see each other's hearts by listening to what we're saying, which is frankly very scary, right? You, we can see each other's hearts. And so I remember, I remember asking him, like, now why is it, my church and not our church. Contrast that story to uh, a story from last weekend. Um, Trina and I were here on Sunday morning early. We were coming with another couple, and we were kind of following behind them, and, and, uh, and this couple is in front of us, and they long-time uh, you know, people here at St. Alliance, and they were walk- we were walking to Broadway Coffee House, kind of that direction, and there was trash on the sidewalk, and Phil was leaning over, and he was picking up the trash. He picked up a paper cup, he reached in the bushes, and he grabbed some plastic from a candy wrapper. And I, 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 said, to, I said to Phil, Phil, you're an owner. And, and he looked at me and said, what? I said, I'll come to church next week, and you, you know, it'll make sense. <laughs> if you contrast those two, that why does your church versus our church? And then here's Phil. I mean, here's what Phil could have done. done. He could have picked up his phone made a phone call to Tim France, uh, our you know, manager of operations around this place, and say, hey, your crew, I mean, we got trash on this campus, and we, you know, we got a testimony of community, and there's, I mean, there was trash out there. It's right out there on the corner of 5th and Gaines. You need to go send someone out and pick it up. I mean, that's the renter mindset. But what Phil does is he sees himself as being responsible. I'm an owner here. And so owners are invested. Owners take responsibility. And the third thing I want you to know is this. Owners are more permanent. In this, in this passage in Acts chapter 4, we, we see Barnabas invested in the church. We see him take responsibility. There is need. There is financial need in this church family. He understands that he has resources that could be liquidated, and those resources could be used to meet meet that need. And so he takes responsibility for that need. 
And he's in it for the long haul because if you continue reading the book of Acts, what you'll discover is this is a guy who, uh, who ends up rising up as a leader in the early church. He goes and gets this guy named Paul, brings him to Antioch because there's this burgeoning young church, a Gentile church that's, that's rising up. And then the Spirit of God sends out Paul and Barnabas through the, the church in Antioch to be missionaries, the first missionaries. This guy's in it for the long haul. This is an owner mindset. Owners are invested, owners take responsibility, owners are more permanent. Another example, years ago, uh, when Trina and I were living in Hood River, um, I, one, of my, one of my best friends was a guy named Dick. I was in my late 20s, early 30s. Dick was in his mid-70s. And Dick was a guy, he, he was very invested in the church, but he was also a guy that had community stature. I mean, one of the largest businesses in Hood River was owned by Dick. Other business folks went to Dick for wisdom and understanding. Uh, his name was a name that many, many people in our city respected. And one day at church, I was walking hallways because I was looking for our four kids that were much younger that time. They were kind of going sideways in the church. And I was walking down a, ha- a hallway, and I, and I look in this preschool window, and, and in this preschool window, sitting in a, in a rocking chair, is, is Dick, and he's, he's rocking a baby. And I, uh, I pop open the door and ask him to see my kids. And he said, nope. I said, Dick, I, di- I didn't know you volunteered in the nursery. Started last week. <laughs> really? Well, why did you want to start working in the nursery? Walk by, more babies than volunteers. Thought I'd serve. <laughs> and I was like, makes sense. And the thing that really stuck out to me was, I think... Guys like Dick, a lot of guys like Dick who have a lot of community stature would see that as a job that's beneath them. They, they would see that as, as like, well, that's, that's something someone else does. Yeah, here's a guy that, that is respected highly in the community and, and there's, there isn't a job that is beneath him. And he sees that he can be a solution to that problem. And so what, what I would say is that what we need to ask ourselves is do we own the church family to that degree? We're talking about a church feeling like home. We're talking, we, last week, talked about the value of relationships and spending time with one another and how we, we sort of demean and maybe even diminish the importance spiritually of the gift that is to the family. And what I'm saying here is, is if a church is going to feel like home, then it, it needs to be filled with owners. And I also realize that in some cases that's difficult. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes homes can be dysfunctional. Sometimes there can be pain and there can be, there can, things are not healthy there. And so it, it just won't feel like home until there's health. But when a, when a home is healthy, then, then a way to make it feel like home is to change your mindset about what you think, to be a Barnabas to, to see that you know, I need to get some skin in the game. I, I, I need to take responsibility. I need to be in this for the long haul. So what are some practical steps that we could take that, uh, that would help a church, a place like this, feel like home? Barnabas, Barnabas takes some very practical steps. He sees people in need. He has resources. He sells his land. He takes the resources and gives them to the apostles. Very practical steps that he took. What would be some practical steps for us to make this place be a church that feels like home? Let me just give you some quick ones. There's not going to be any surprises for you. We need to get some skin in the game. We need to take some risk. We need to give some, make some sort of investment. Now, with Barnabas, we're talking finances here. 
And certainly, there, there's, there's a place for that. We, we need to be a generous people. But perhaps the best, most generous gift that you could give to the family is the gift of time. Is the gift simply of taking time. We all have a, the same resources of time. And taking a gift in time and making an investment in the family. So first of all, it's just maybe getting some skin in the game. A second way that we can practically become an owner is to look through the eyes of an owner. Uh, is is to, to simply just say that I need to look at this place differently. This is my church. The, our mission statement, that we exist to exalt Jesus Christ, become his fully devoted followers, and share his grace with tr- and truth with all people, that's not you know, Salem Alliance's mission statement. It's our mission statement. It's my mission statement. Our vision of a city at peace with God, that's not you know, the, the church's vision statement. That is our vision statement. And owners think like that. It's our mission. It's our vision. It's our problem. This is our success. We own it. And so we need to look through the eyes of an owner. And lastly, here's one thing I would say to you that would be very practical, is to be in it for the long haul. It's to to simply be in it for the long haul. Now, if you haven't figured this out yet, what happens when you're part of a family, and a large family, is that eventually people are going to irritate you. All right? Trina and I have been married now for over 30 years. There are some things that I do that irritate her. Let me just give you an example. I brought with me my, my favorite snack, Stacy Chips. And when we're watching a show or uh, a movie or something, I kind of like to be snacking on things, so I just take a quiet bag and I open it. And we might be watching a, a movie, and I'll just have this, and I'll just, I like to eat them. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you shut your mouth, because you can still hear it crunching. <laughs> and it irritates her. <laughs> and sometimes I know that. And so what I do <laughs> is I'm just trying to avoid, like, some conflict. So I just put it in my mouth and just let it soak for a while. I'm just trying to be discreet <laughs> because I know it, it irritates her and, and sometimes she just give me the look. Like, you know, it's like the this, this stink eye. We all, we all know what that is. But the reality is, is that over our 30 years of marriage, um, little things like pita chips, I gotta drink some water. <laughs> Sorry. Little thing like pita chips can fester and grow from an irritation, and they just compound, and before long, you get a full-blown situation on your hands. As, you see, if, if, if life was a freeway, and you're in relationship with a lot of people, and you're part of a church, what happens is that there are exit ramps all over that freeway. And you can make a choice early on over really silly things like chips, to say, I'm out. Which is why the wisdom writer would, would write in Proverbs 19, verse 11. Now he would say this. A person's wisdom yields patience, and it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. 
Wisdom produces patience. And it's to our glory to overlook offenses. Now, I don't think the wisdom writer is saying, I want you to be a peacemaker. You know, you know in peacemaker terminology, there's peacemakers, peacemakers, and peacebreakers. And um, so it's not saying, I'll just avoid all conflict, but there are so many instances that rise up that we can just easily overlook. But what happens is, is we become offended. Uh, the New Living Translation puts it this way. It says, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Do you know why people are so easily offended? It's because they feel disrespected. And the counterintuitive way to earn respect is to overlook an offense. But what happens is we, friends, if you haven't realized that, we live in a very highly, easily, people possess offendable hearts, easily offended. And it's to our glory to overlook the offenses. But what happens is if life is a freeway and you got all these exit ramps, and what happens is we become so easily angry, we lose our temper, we just take an exit ramp. And in a church family this large, what's going to happen is eventually you're going to be irritated. I'm going to make you mad. I'm going to offend you. And, and that'll happen because what I, I want to do is I want to raise the bar to who we are and it, it'll challenge us. And, and so um, you may be offended by me and, or you might be in that small group and that person keeps on talking again. They always talk and they never stop talking and it, just, it bugs you. Or you, you, you know the situations could be an exit ramp, or if you're an owner, you could be in it for the long haul. And, and I just want to say, there are times you do need to take an exit ramp. Even, even in marriage, there, there are times when you, know, you, when you walk through all the steps. Some of you are here, and, um, and a marriage failed, and you know, you, you, you're carrying a lot of burdens about that. And I want you to know, there are times that it's the right thing to do to take an exit ramp. It's not God's heart for marriage. But in, even, in, even in churches, some of you are new. Maybe you came from another church. And I just, I just want to say there are times when you need to take the exit ramp from a church. That, that's true. But the reality is, and also the reality is that, that around here we love renters. That we, this needs to be a place where people can heal. This, we have pastors from other churches sometimes who come to Salem Line. Some come on Saturday night because they just want to come to a church service where they don't know what's coming next on the order of service. They just want to be refreshed and renewed. Some come for healing. Some come with wounds. Some of you have come with wounds. Some of you come because you need healing. And I want you to know, we, we love renters. It's, that's, a, that's, a, that's the right season. What I'm talking about is a season that comes to them when we cross the threshold and we say, I belong. This is my home. And at some point in time, I believe it's God's heart that his family would own it to such a way that the outside world would look in and say, wow, I've never seen people love each other like they do. They're selling fields and giving to those who are in need. There's no needy people among them. They're serving in ways that just are is creative and meaningful. I, I believe that pleases the heart of God. Now, here's the question I told you was coming. Am I an owner or am I a renter? Is this your church or someone else's church? 
Do you have the owner mindset or the renter mindset? Now, I think it's an important question for all of us to answer because I'll put this next quote up here um, because I believe that to the degree that I see myself as an owner at Salem Alliance will be the degree to which this place feels like home. And it will be the degree to which our vision of a city at peace with God is realized. Friends, as we invest in one another, as we live selflessly with one another, as we one another one another and become the unstoppable force that matches the heart of God, the outside world will be looking at us and they'll be saying, there's something about them. And I pray that daily God will add to our numbers simply, simply because of how we relate to one another. And the kingdom of God will indeed advance. May it be so. Let's pray together. So, Lord, on this weekend, we, we want to be a place. We want to be the body that, that you long for us to be. So I, I just ask and pray, Lord, by your spirit, you would, um, you would transform us. And out of Christ in us, Lord, the fruit of that would be, would be love for one another, love for our world. Lord, that you would give us uh, creative promptings of how to care for one another or how to pray for one another. And I pray, almighty God, that as we, as we serve you and as we love on each other, that our, our world would look at us and say, look at how they love one another and people would be drawn to you. And indeed, Daily, many would enter the kingdom. This is our prayer. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.